Hello, everyone, and welcome to the first episode of the Deeper Signals podcast. In this series, we'll be exploring the most important issues and issues in the world of talent assessment, coaching, and technology. So my name is Reese Akhtar, and joining me today are my colleagues, Uriya and Nalima Ajay-Kumar. So in today's chat, uh, we'll be exploring really the importance of self-awareness and why organizations need to be fostering the skill within their workforce. So let's dive right in. Uri, what do we mean by self-awareness and why should we care? Thanks, Rhys. It's a good question. It goes back to the famous Peter Drucker mantra, right? You can't manage what you don't measure. And I think when we talk about self-awareness in the workforce, ultimately, we want people to change. We want them to get better. We can never manage and develop people at the scale as they can manage and develop themselves. Right. No matter how many programs we put in place and performance mm-hmm. management and encourage. And tell me if you disagree, but I, I think ultimately we want everyone to improve and self-manage and self-present themselves in a way that it fosters a culture and an environment where work can get done. And the best way we can do that is by helping people measure themselves. And essentially, when you think about it, that's what self-awareness is. It means I can be aware of my own behavior, at which point I can then change it. But if I can't be aware of my behavior, then I don't really have anywhere to go. Nalima, what do you think? I agree. Uh, I think the only other thing that I'd, I'd add to that piece around self-awareness is that as humans, we're also prone to kind of our own biases. Um, and biases, and we, I think we need to dissect biases a little bit because, of, you know, what some, some type of people being more prone to biases than others. And I think it's important to recognize one system within our judgment um, kind of thinking mechanisms t- likes to take mental shortcuts. But the good news is, is that we also have the capacity to kind of think more consciously and deliberately and break some of those kind of mental shortcuts that we take. And a lot of that, I think, is rooted in self-awareness, that self-awareness around where some of our judgment and perceptions come from um, is the starting point to trigger that process in correcting our own biases. Yeah, very good point. Very good point. I guess my, my kind of thoughts are then, who has the responsibility for encouraging this? Because, you know, we can argue it both ways, right? This is something that would be helpful for everyone from a personal perspective. But then it seems also very introspective. How can and should, you know, organizations actually care about this? This seems much more along the lines of becoming self-awareness and linked with, say, self-actualization. Um, is this something that we really should be spending time on at work? I mean, that's a fair point. I think what I actually just heard you guys say together is that there's two parts to the benefit of encouraging and fostering self-awareness. One part, and I think what we focus on most, is really understanding yourself, right? So now that you understand your own dispositions, you're, you're more likely to manage them and you are more likely to leverage them. So it goes both ways, right? You'll know your strengths, you'll know your risks. However, what we're also saying is just by bringing self-awareness to the surface, then we give you the tools that you need to change your behavior. So Nalima, to your point, right? Like you have those biases. We know that you're you're going to take mental shortcuts. You're going to make mistakes. And we can try to change that behavior through various development programs. And let's just take, for example, what's what's a big focus right now, right, is, is um, bias training, right? So diversity and inclusion training and anti-racism training, like those things are incredibly important. But if we don't teach people at their core to think about and self-monitor their behavior, then we probably don't have a foundation to work on to change those behaviors. So maybe there's two parts, and 
And I, I never thought of that before. So it could be, it's an extra added value that tools like ours have. I just wanted to add to that. I think, um, especially as you think of like the different levels of seniority within an organization and as you take on um, more leadership roles and um, have um, more responsibility to coach individuals in within your team and that's where that um where you have to be extra mindful of where your biases come in as you help in individuals in their own development journeys you want to be mindful that you're not projecting you know your own biases and your own past experiences onto someone else's situation or tendencies which you know might not at all be relevant to that situation so i think that's also where that self-awareness piece comes in um, to kind of be better coaches I guess one thing that I was thinking about as, as you guys were talking, you know, it does require, you know, a lot of self-acceptance, understanding and acknowledging that your biases and getting comfortable with knowing that you kind of have these risks and these parts about you that kind of need changing and you know, very difficult to change. I guess what I'm getting at is we know people feel very uncomfortable when they're told to kind of left to be left in a room by themselves and with nothing but their thoughts. How can we lead them through this self-awareness journey? Because right? it definitely feels like a journey, right? We can't just say to someone, okay, become self-aware. Start thinking about your gaps and your biases and, and ways of becoming better. It feels like much more of a process that you know, can be enlightening and enriching, but has very thorny and kind of difficult parts to it. Do you guys have any kind of ideas around how we can bring individuals or teams or even organizations kind of through that kind of self-awareness process. I mean, so I, I think um, for sure an assessment that helps you become more self-aware, like a deeper signals tool, not to just push our own tools, but obviously <laughs> that's that's the cornerstone, right? That's where you have to start. It's not it's not like a theoretical concept, like I am more self-aware. I mean, I guess to an extent that helps as well, right? Just self-monitoring helps, mm. but I think you benefit a lot more by... Um, by getting some kind of data-driven, you know, real scientific insight into who you are, and that'll ring true if if it's a well-done assessment. That'll be, you know, it'll it'll resonate with users, and that'll kind of get the buy-in that you need to say, "Hey, you're right. You know, that is how I feel sometimes, and that is something I struggle with. And now I am more aware of that. So when I behave that way." or I struggle with that, or I have that strength, I know that, hey, I'm leaning into my strength or I'm managing my risk. And Nalima, one point that you made, which is a bit of a tangent, but I think is is really interesting, is how we match coaches. And it might be a bit off topic for this one, but it's something we're thinking about as well, because there's both a benefit and a a risk to that, right? Like to to your point, you have to be careful you don't just project and self-awareness helps. At the same time, I'd imagine there's some benefit. And I know we've talked about it within Mm -hmm. our product scope, if we should try to match coaches with personality A to candidates who are struggling with personality characteristic A and they could compare notes. Yeah, I really like that idea. And I think, you know, it goes to this point around what coaching looks like in, you know, the modern organization. I think what I'm hearing from you both, and I think we're we're aligned here on this, is like the idea that self-awareness is something that should be democratized, right? It's something that everyone should have access to. But how do we uh, facilitate kind of the coaching side of it? Because we know coaches are effective. We know coaching is effective. But what can we do to actually help people kind of create a bit of a culture or a bit of a, um, you know, a team or a social support network within organizations 
where you can have everyone kind of nudging each other, helping them stay on track with, say, elements of behavior change and help them really leverage this new awareness that they may have into their behavior? Mm, I, um, I I think self-awareness, like any other skill, is something that you have to learn. And um, one kind of model that I like um, in that I've used for more kind of developing um, organizational development programs at an organizational level, but I think is also relevant um, at an individual level is that kind of 70-20-10 split, which holds that essentially 70% of your learning comes from experiential on-the-job experiences, 20% come from others. So that can be your peers, coaches, mentors, uh, team members, and 10% um, more from kind of classroom more traditional learning settings like webinars, attending conferences, so on and so forth. So I think it's important to remember that, you know, um, it's not necessarily a one-size-fits-all approach that you need to take, uh, you could take. There are it's, there are a mix of things that you could do. Um, so in the experience realm, you know, sign up for stretch opportunities or things that you haven't done before. And continuously signing yourself up to new experiences, I think, in itself, builds um, self-awareness and then in in that other is that 20% co- component continuously seeking for feedback is one that helps and the 10% I think there's always you know coaching workshops and tools like um, self psychometric assessments that you can use to aid you in your journey. I um, completely agree with that Malima and I would just I would just add uh, like so many things in HR go back to basics because to, to your point it's a muscle you have to develop it and we don't we tend not to introduce that in organizations until you reach senior manager level so i mean you know, frankly how stupid is that you take an assessment when you join the organization when it's an assessment it's not a tool for self awareness right it's like a test mm-hmm. and then we kind of drop any concept of feedback and self and data driven feedback and self awareness except maybe you know the feedback you get from your manager until you become a senior leader and and that it seems kind of yeah. a waste I couldn't agree more. I think, you know, the whole assessment industry has completely failed in that respect and how we just use it for, yeah, the top of the house, or it's just as a uh, kind of sorting tool to kind of get you into the, uh, into the organization. But I just want to actually kind of pull on that thread a little bit more. So, you know, we're talking a lot about self-awareness for development purposes and, you know, what happens once you've, you're, you're in a role and you're thinking about your career. But do you think, Self-awareness is something that we, sh- we should be learning, you know, as we're entering the workforce. So I'm thinking about younger millennials that are entering the workforce for the first time, trying to figure out their career, their vocation. Where does having this insight into your behavior, your preferences and so on kind of fit into the job search? I don't know. I think I absolutely agree, Reese. I think self-awareness isn't something that should be um, limited to a certain um, age group or demographic or seniority level. I think um, as we all have some opportunity areas, I think one of the most difficult things to do is to be able to assess ourselves objectively. Um, And the more, I think, with age and time and experience, we get more opportunities to develop self-awareness, but having tools to help us in that journey up front, especially um, at the outset of our careers, I, I think goes a long, long way. Um, knowing um, where where you can play to your strengths and also knowing um, how to effectively invest your energy when thinking about your development. Um, yeah. I think it's applicable to everyone. I will add, I don't necessarily agree that 
at least at least in the market, and Risa, tell me if you disagree. I haven't seen a lot of success with the tools that try to do career placements based on personality, which is synonymous with saying based on self awareness. I yeah. think there's like dating. You know, everyone tried to do it with dating. Like a dating app. Work. A dating app for. Yeah. Like exactly, but even for dating, but people try to do personality for dating and it never works because there's too many confounding variables. People date others romantically for too many other reasons than personality and the same applies for a career. There's a great example actually happened earlier this year. So the British government um, in its infinite wisdom created a vocational assessment. So the idea is given that a lot of people are furloughed or let go from their jobs because of the economy, the UK government put out you know, a survey that Uri, you and I have created you know, many times about tell us what you're interested in and then we place you in certain roles. And what you saw was just that how bad that, that assessment was and that it was telling you know, people to be moving into careers that you know, were just impossible to do so. Um, and so I think you're right. The idea of the existing tools out there don't work. Self-awareness is important for, for vocational uh, placement but I think ultimately, it's not about kind of just aligning your values with a, with a career. It's much deeper than that. And it's about understanding really truly what environments do you thrive in, what things do you really enjoy doing. But also, there's a part of that that comes with experience, I feel. Like, I don't know about you guys, but, you know, I, I recently turned 30 and I was reflecting on my last 10 years. And, uh, you know, I started the, my 20s incredibly unaware. And I, I still did. Think I have a, I still think I have a way to go before I can say I'm a self-aware person. But you know, it's one of those things that takes time and experience to so uh, <laughs> it's, it's one of those things that takes time to, to grow and develop. And so while I think self-awareness is important for career placement and it's much more of a personal thing than something that can just be kind of leveraged and then turn into some sort of algorithm to kind of put you into uh, the right slot, as it were. I mean, however. Now put your, put yourself back into your early twenties, looking for a job, graduating from school, and what's on your mind is a career where I can advance and I need a salary. And if you're American, you need to pay back your gazillion dollars in student loans. Mm-hmm. So the last thing on your, and then someone tells you, well, don't you know this is a great job and you're likely going to get it, but don't apply because I think your personality is not a match. And that's where the friction comes in because you're right. When you look back and you have the comfort of a career path and, you know, your next job is based on your previous resume, I think there's a lot more luxury to say, you know, where am I going to fit best? And people can use personality as a tool, but I just see it much less relevant for um, younger people who are, I think, more hungry and maybe desperate to find a role out of college. So one last point I want to raise with you both is really kind of the changing nature of work in particular, kind of how things have moved to a much more virtual environment. Self-awareness feels like a bit of an introspective activity or a skill. How do you feel it fits into this kind of new environment, this new way of working? Hmm, It's a tricky one because I think we, with the virtual platforms we um, interact in today, it's a bit of an environment of contradictions because on the one hand, I'm more attuned to people's facial expressions because, you know, you see them more closely and also mine as well. It's not often that I can, you know, you have you hold a mirror to yourself um, when you speak to others. So and in the past, actually, this is uh, one good 
piece of feedback I, that I received earlier in my career is that I have a resting face that's not very pleasant and it gets <laughs> even more unpleasant when I was it. This I'm is rated R, Galima. You can say what it's called. <laughs> um, but, but now I'm more aware of like I see that on, on camera every day. <laughs> At the same time, I think of a person and, and their energy and their environment. Yeah, I mean, I, I obviously everyone experiences that weird mirror effect, mm-hmm. and it's like, it's like I, I think it's not talked about enough. Like, you're literally talking to people as if they have a rearview mirror on their forehead, and it continues. <laughs> like, imagine how that would be in real life. You would never pay attention to the person you're talking to. You just be looking at yourself. Like, how am I coming across? How do I look? And that's why you have these zoom filters with skin, you know, yeah. you know, improvements mm-hmm. because now you have to see yourself. So you have to see your, mm-hmm. your own defects yeah, and whether or not you're sticking to your skin regimen. So, uh, so yeah, that part is definitely untalked about, but I think obviously that's not real self-awareness, right? Like mm-hmm. that's not what we talk about when we think about self-awareness. It's, like it's impression it's, management, right? It's yeah. like, I know not to uh, look rude or I know to try and look at the camera when I'm talking rather than, you know, looking away. It's not about saying, how am I coming across? Like in terms of um, how am I responding to the situation? Am I really putting my best foot forward? I think there's one thing that, that is true, Uri, though, is about being more attuned to your communications, I think is, is more important because you don't have the nonverbal um, part of it and you can't always kind of read the room or the atmosphere. You have to be a bit more aware about how you're positioning, how you're communicating, how you're crafting messages. I mean, think about how we're, we're all right now more quote-unquote self-aware of our voices because we're recording a podcast. Yeah. Right? Like, obviously, we don't normally think about that in a normal live conversation. So, But I wouldn't say that that's real self-awareness. It would more, you know, in terms of self-awareness that we care, we really care about at work, like, are we aware that, you know, am I aware that I'm not conscientious and I need to work really hard on staying organized and keeping to my meetings? I don't think that, to me, that didn't change very much. I think other things maybe, like if you think about extroversion, that probably impacted some people more than others. Irina Lima, that was amazing. Thank you so much for sharing your thoughts. So to everyone, uh, the key takeaways, I think, from this conversation are, one, you know, to be self at work means not only having a good understanding of your strengths and risks, but actually knowing how they show themselves and having a clear strategy for managing them. I think we also made the case that we should be democratizing self-awareness So that means um, everyone can get that self-insight, not just uh, senior leaders um, within organizations. And the final point, as we move to virtual environments, self-awareness is important, um, although the way that we are kind of deploying it and leveraging it is shifting and changing.